Therefore, the Lord himself will give a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and call his name Emmanuel. This prophecy came 700 years before the birth of Jesus from a man named Isaiah. This event, this sign, is known as the incarnation, meaning in flesh. Isaiah said this boy, born of a virgin, will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Fast forward to the dawn of the first century AD, and we find an angel named Gabriel speaking to a virgin woman named Mary in the city of Nazareth, which is in the Galilee region of Israel. Gabriel said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary was puzzled at Gabriel's pronouncement because she was a virgin, not yet married to her fiancé, Joseph. Gabriel explained that the Holy Spirit will come upon her. The power of the Most High will overshadow her. Therefore, or for that reason, the child will be called Holy, the Son of God. When it became obvious that Mary was with child, Joseph, her fiancé, resolved to dissolve their engagement, not wanting to put her to shame. Joseph thought, without any other explanation, that Mary had been with another man, that she had been unfaithful to him. The book of Matthew tells us that as Joseph considered these things, God sent an angel to him in a dream to explain that the baby in Mary's womb was from the Holy Spirit and that she will bear a son and that he will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then, to bring this full circle, Matthew tells us that all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. The birth of Jesus Christ is the miracle of God taking on flesh and living among his creation. To be clear, God was not transformed into flesh, but rather clothed in flesh. Transformation involves one thing ceasing to exist and becoming something else. When Jesus was born to Mary, he did not cease being God, but rather took on the mantle of humanity. One person, fully God and fully man. Hebrews chapter 2 says that Jesus became like us in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. And in Colossians, we read that in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells. Jesus is the God-man. He is the mediator that Job longed for in ages past, the one who could stand in the gap between God and man, reconciling man with God. Paul writes that there is but one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows and familiar with grief, that he was despised and rejected by men. Like us, he was tempted. He suffered hunger, thirst, loss, disappointment, sadness, pain, abandonment. He is familiar with the ups and downs of the human experience, and he is compassionate toward our plight because he lived and walked among us. Jesus extends his mercy and grace to us because he knows what it's like to be us. Jesus is God incarnate. He wrapped on flesh and walked among us to die for us, reconciling us with God. 
Then he resurrected from the dead, conquering death to give us life everlasting if we just believe in him. The baby born in a manger to the Virgin Mary was a specific event bound by space and time when God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. But it is not the beginning of Jesus, for he has no beginning nor end. He is the everlasting God. Jesus himself made this claim numerous times when he walked the earth. One day, he was in the temple arguing with religious and political leaders about this claim of being the Son of God. They accused him of being possessed by a demon, making these outlandish claims. He countered, saying they were of their father, the devil, who is a liar and the father of lies, because they do not accept the truth of his claim as God the Son. He went on to say that anyone that believes in him and keeps his word shall never taste death. At this statement, they said, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, the prophets died, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it and was glad. They responded and said, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. At this statement, the people picked up stones to throw at him because Jesus had claimed equality with God by using the same name that God gave Moses at the burning bush, I am. Another time at the temple, this same group of leaders were challenging or attempting to undermine the authority of Jesus. They were exasperated after he answered all of their beguiling questions flawlessly. Jesus then put a question to them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? Christ being the Greek form of the Hebrew term Messiah, for which Jesus is the fulfillment. The leaders answered that the Christ is the son of David. They were not wrong in one respect, because the baby born to Mary was a descendant of the royal line of David. However, that was not the point of his question. He was just setting the stage. His goal was twofold. One, to identify himself as the Christ, the Messiah. And two, to emphasize his divinity, that his origin has no trace, no beginning. Jesus then says, How is it then that David, inspired by the Spirit, calls him, the Christ, Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus concludes his point by saying, If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? This logic confounded them, and they were unable to answer him or dispute his claim. In fact, the Bible says that from this day on, they asked him no more questions. As God incarnate, Jesus is both the son of David and the Lord of David. He is also one and the same God who called himself the I am in the temple that day, and introduced himself as the I am to Moses 1,500 years prior. The pre-incarnate Jesus made several appearances in the Old Testament. In theology, these appearances are called Christophanies. He appeared to Abraham to announce that his wife Sarah would have a son the following year. He appeared to Jacob, who was on his way to Canaan. Jesus wrestled with him, blessed him, and gave him a new name, Israel. He was also the fourth man in King Nebuchadnezzar's furnace alongside Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego after the king had condemned them to death for not worshiping his image. Nebuchadnezzar stood, 
astonished, noticing a fourth man in the furnace, and the other three were unbound and unharmed. He confessed that the appearance of the fourth looked like a son of the gods. These are just a few examples proving the pre-incarnate existence of Jesus. To state it plainly, Jesus has always existed. He has always existed as God, and He has always existed as a distinct person of the Trinity. Jesus is not an exalted man. Anyone who believes this does not believe in the Jesus of the Bible. Anyone who teaches this is teaching a different Jesus and a different gospel from the one the disciples preached. As Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, so it is appropriate to repeat here. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel contrary to the one we preached, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. The message of the gospel and the object of the gospel cannot be separated and cannot be changed. To change the message or the object of the message, Jesus, is to nullify the gospel itself, which is to say, if you do not believe in the Jesus of the Bible, then you reject his free gift of salvation by grace and grace alone. For there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the everlasting I am. He knows no equal. There are none who can meet him eye to eye. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one and only sovereign, having heaven as his throne and earth as his footstool. He is the one who sees all, who knows all, and is above all. He is the living one the one who died but now is alive forevermore, who holds the keys to death and hell. This is the Jesus of the Bible, and His kindness draws you, His mercy forgives you, and His grace saves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He loves you and has a remarkable plan for your life.